Good to be here at Heritage Baptist Church. I have been looking forward to this meeting together for a number of months for a lot of reasons. First of all, because I love your pastor. He's my dear friend. And uh, he and Mrs. Fong and I, we go back to about 2003 or four. The first time I met him, I was preaching in a meeting. He came up and introduced himself and uh, invited me to preach at the old church way back when. And I remember the old building he used to rent. Uh, he was nervous because I preached. He said, you know, we have to be out of here at a certain time. And uh, he knew I was probably going to preach a long time because I'm an evangelist. But we got out in great stead. And uh, I have watched the church just go from the old building and then to the, the building out front and how the Lord blessed there. And now this beautiful facility and then the Berean Center. And uh, the Lord has been good to Heritage Baptist Church. And uh, I love to come here. I thank God for this place. And many of you uh, are friends of mine for a lot of years. And... Um, and of course, as I mentioned in Sunday school, Pastor Fong is not just a friend. Uh, he is a dear friend of mine. There are several preachers that I consider to be men uh, of like mind, of like heart. Uh, we talk about the same things. We laugh about the same things. We, we get in trouble and all that. But uh, we have a great time together uh, in the Lord. And I'm looking forward to this great, great week together. I apologize. My wife could not come and make the trip. We were planning on it. But she had to go spend time last week in Destin, Florida with our, young, our middle daughter and uh, with our latest grandbaby. She's uh, uh, five months old. Her name is Skylin Amelia. And uh, so she is just a great joy. How many of you love grandchildren? Let's try that again. How many of you love grandchildren? And, uh, amen. And uh, they are God's reward to the parents for all the toil and heartache we put up with them. And uh, we are just thankful for the goodness of God. And uh, we have six grandchildren now, one boy and five girls. And uh, they are absolutely amazing. And uh, I know the church is celebrating 20 years of ministry. That's a wonderful milestone accomplishment for this place. And uh, I'll tell you, we're all getting a little bit older, not a whole lot, but somewhat. Uh, I turned 63 a few weeks ago. I know I don't look a day over 40. I need some amens right there. I mean, I can preach four hours, amen? And uh, so uh, we... Uh, we, uh, I just turned 63. I heard about a man who turned 60. And uh, he and his wife turned 60 on the same day together. And uh, they were just having a great time. Well, an angel appeared to them and said, Happy birthday. You may each have one request. Really? Yes. Well, the wife went first, and she said, I'd like to have a round-the-world trip with my husband, uh, all expenses paid, uh, you know, uh, circle the globe in 90 days with my husband. There was a puff of smoke, shazam. She had two tickets in her hand. She had her request. Now, he said, sir, what would you like? He looked around. He said, well, I'm 60, and I'd like for my wife to be 30 years younger than me. Well, there was a puff of smoke, shazam. He turned 90 right on the spot. Amen? So, uh, and, hey, how many believe he deserved that? Say amen. And, uh, but uh, that you got to be careful what you ask for. And, uh, so the Lord is good. But uh, just think about it, 20 years, Heritage Baptist Church, what a blessing this is. And it's been uh, one of the highlights of my life as a preacher and evangelist and now a pastor. One of the highlights of my ministry has been from time to time, to come back here to Heritage and fellowship with my dear friend and see many of you and see the way the Lord has blessed and moved and just done great things here in San Leandro, California. Pastor mentioned we're on the East Coast. He's on the West. We've been trying to have revival. Well, you've got the West Coast on fire. 
time for me to do something on the east. And I, I told Sunday school, uh, uh, Pastor Fong, he stays so stirred up. I wonder if he really is the one who started these fires. But anyway, uh, he is in it, and uh, he's excited, uh, stirred up about souls being saved and, and lives being changed here in this part of the world. Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Psalms chapter 127. The book of Psalms chapter 127. And it's all, I'll begin to read in verse 1. It's always a joy to see Justin. I tease Justin a lot and uh, give him a hard time. But uh, I love Justin. I thank God for his life, his fervency, his stir, and got to meet his uh, little wife this morning. We talked, and uh, I confused her for Tiffany. And I said, are you Tiffany? She said, no, I'm Justin's wife, uh, Jennifer. I said, oh, you poor thing. But anyway, uh, I, I love this good man of God, and uh, the Lord's working in his life. And I, I'm grateful for young men that are fervent and love the Lord and are following Christ with their whole heart and their whole life. Some of you don't know me, and uh, it's maybe your first chance to meet me, and I'm still looking at you, or kind of warming up a little bit as, uh, you know, is he going to preach long? Is he going to be loud? Is he going to be this and that? So we're sort of feeling each other out a little bit. I heard about a young man that got on an airplane and sat down and uh, on the seat, and he was praying. He was praying about God's will. He said, I pray that the girl sitting next to me could be the one I could marry. He looked up, and a young lady walked right down the aisle and sat next to him, and they were staring straight ahead, and they sort of looked at each other, and their eyes met. She looked at him, and he looked at her. She said, excuse me, sir, are you married? He said, no, I'm not married, but I've been praying for God's will for my life, for the right girl. She said, he said, are you married? She said, no, I'm not but I've been praying for God's will for my life as well. She said, I've been praying for a man who is a Native American Indian by birth. I just love Native American Indians. She said, but I've also been praying for a man who is Jewish by origin, a Jewish man that goes back to Abraham and Isaac and the prophets. She said, but I've always wanted to marry a redneck who drives a pickup truck and is from the deep south. She said, if I could meet such a man, I would marry him right away. He, she said, by the way, what is your name? He thought for a minute. He said, my name is Geronimo Goldstein, and you can call me Bubba. Anyway, uh, this morning, uh, uh, I don't know you and you don't know me, but uh, we'll have a great time together uh, in the Lord today. Psalm 127, verse number 1. Psalm 127, verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to sit up early, to, sit, to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verse 3 is our text this morning. Lo, children are on what? Heritage of the Lord. Years ago, I came from stepped down from the pulpit in a church. It was a great conference and a pastor's conference, and I got done preaching. And a younger man at the time walked up to me and 
said, my name is Pastor Alan Fong, and I had just got done preaching on the subject, the heritage of the Lord. He said, Brother Rossi, that, that's the name of our church. We just named it, Heritage Baptist Church. And I thought about that at getting ready for this meeting. And I like to go back to that early time where God was moving and working in these early days of the 20-year history of this wonderful church. And I want to speak on the subject this morning, the heritage, the heritage of the Lord. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward, the heritage of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You that it liveth and abideth forever. We thank you, Lord, there is no shortage with thee. We know we're standing in a place where people are struggling right now. People are having a very tough time getting things together with these fires and the electric and all this uh, going on. But God, we pray this morning you'll hedge our hearts in. May we seek you. May we call upon your name. Thank you for the great heritage we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray tonight, or this morning, that we bless this time together in a great way. Thank you for that, which you'll accomplish. We give you the praise and the glory together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, all of God's people said together. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. Our text this morning is a great chapter in your Bible. It begins with the heading in Psalm 127. A Song of Degrees for Solomon. If you study your Bible, you'll understand that the book of Psalms were written about during a period of time for about 1,000 years. There are five books within the book of Psalms, and the word psalm itself means praise. It means to glorify God. In your New Testament, the word that we use for psalms is the word that we use for the word singing. And so the book of Psalms is a psaltery. It is called a sacred hymn book. And it was sung by the people of God as they observed their festivals, as they glorified God. They had a mighty choir. And by the way, thank God for this choir. Let's try that again. Thank God for this choir. Thank God for the great music that's here every Sunday for the glory of God. And they would sing and they would worship and they would give God glory, and they would read these psalms and sing them out for the glory of God. Psalms chapter 120 through verse Psalm 134 are known as the Psalms of Degrees. They begin with the word, with the words, a song of degrees, meaning that the, it was literally an ascent, if you will, as they made their way up to the city of Jerusalem. Oftentimes, you'll, you'll read in your Bible, let us go up to the city of Jerusalem, even though they're in the south uh, and heading north, or north and heading south, that would be downward. It meant uh, because of the topography and the elevation, they were going up to the holy hill of Zion. And on their way up, 
they would sing these psalms and they would sing these songs of pilgrimage that we find in Psalm 1 verse, uh, 120 through verse 134. In fact, there were 15 steps up to the altar of God and they would sing each one of these psalms on the way up to the altar of God. So imagine them praising God, worshiping God, and singing out for the glory of God. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. If you study it carefully, you'll find that this psalm was most likely a Davidic psalm written by King David. He wrote a number of the psalms, somewhere around maybe 72 or 73 psalms, authored by him humanly. And as he wrote this psalm, he had his son Solomon in mind. This young man was growing up. He was to be the next king over the people of God in Israel. If you know the life of David, toward the latter years of his life, he put everything together for the building of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. He had all these stones and all the timber and all the silver and everything done. I mean, imagine this pastor on your next building uh, program. Someone says, well, let's build an auditorium. We already have all the money. We already have the plans. We already have the permitting done. The city's given you a green light. In fact, they're even going to give you money toward it. Would you be okay with that program? And so everything was already in place. David had been given the pattern for the building, the blueprints, if you will. He had been given everything that God wanted him to have, and now it is time to build the house of God. David knew that his days were numbered. He knew that soon he would go uh, to be with the Lord, and he writes this song for his son Solomon and reminds him of this, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen waketh but in vain. He is saying to him, Solomon, I've given you everything you need, but above all else, even though you have the money, even though you have the manpower, even though you have the materials for a building, except God helps you, unless the Lord helps you, you're laboring in vain. You need the help of God. How many you realize today the greatest need for this generation is not monetary, it is not political, it is not uh, governmental, the greatest need of America today is the power and the presence of God himself. And he said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Without God, they were vainly waking. I mean, just to get up in the morning without him, I'm glad that every day of my life that I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm glad no matter what happens while I'm sleeping, that God is still on the throne and God is still good. Say amen. How many believe this? Uh, even though we don't feel saved. Have you ever woke up in the morning and not felt saved? I'll be honest with you, I don't wake up at four in the morning in California, not even knowing what time it is. You always wake up early when you come to the West Coast, looking around. I don't wake up immediately and say, praise the Lord, I'm saved, hallelujah, I feel great. It's not like that, yet no matter how we feel, no matter what our circumstances dictate, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's with us wherever, wherever we go. And so understand, without God, vainly waking, vainly working, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it, vainly watching, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh, but in 
vain. He's trying to convey the point to this young man, Solomon, that his great need was God himself. We understand in Zechariah 4, 6 that God said uh, that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That if anything good is ever going to happen, we must have God's presence and God's power and God's provisions and his very pleasure to reside upon our life. He reminds him repeatedly that God himself is his greatest need. And then he reminds him in the middle of this that his greatest commodity is not something we can see. His greatest commodity is not how much he, his net worth is on the stock market. His greatest commodity at all, of all is the children that God has entrusted to his care. He said, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. My wife and I have been reminded many times the children are a blessing from God. Our fifth child, my wife was uh, with our fifth child. She was very ill. She had been going through a prolonged illness. She was in no condition to have a baby. And we found out that she was with child and that the Lord had blessed us with another baby. Our initial response was not rejoicing. It was not uh, praise. It was fear. It was worry and apprehension. But we came across this verse where the Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We realized children are not a curse. They're a blessing from God. They're not a problem. They are the provision that God has given to us. And as a result, we turned out all of our worry and fear and panic into praise and adoration and God gave us a wonderful little girl whose name is Bethany and we thank God for our fifth child and all the ones in between. Now understand the fact that the Lord himself, the Lord himself is our provision, that God himself is our protector and God himself is our preservation and our praise that God himself, except the Lord, keep the house. They labor in vain that build it. Aren't you glad you're seated in a church uh, building right now? You're seated in a place right now this morning that God has watched over in a great way. Aren't you glad that you have a pastor and a pastor's family that God has preserved and watched over in a great manner? Aren't you glad for the goodness of God in your life? How you say that God has provided for you? If you don't know this, I'll remind you, it is the Lord who giveth thee the power to get wealth. If you have anything in this world, you ought to turn around and say, Lord, you gave this to me and I thank you for it as well. Now he said that these children are in heritage of the Lord. A heritage is something that is passed down from one generation to the next. It is something that we give to those who follow in our path and follow in our wake. We have many heritages in this room. I'm sure we have many uh, observances, the way that you keep Christmas or the way that you celebrate Easter or the way that you keep a holiday. We all have different ways of, of observing different things. We lived in the state of California a number of years ago and became uh, involved with a lot of folks from the Philippines and got to go to the Philippines and they had uh, some, uh, some holidays and things that I never knew about and enjoyed getting to know the, uh, people from another country and become their dear friends. I'll never forget preaching in the Philippines at Pastor Lorena's and the meeting was over and uh, we were concluding and he said, Pastor, come in here. There's some men who have something for you as a special gift. Now, how many of you like getting gifts? 
How many of you like gifts? Amen. Let's try that again. Don't be humble. How many of you like getting gifts? All right, good. And, and uh, I thought, oh boy. So we went into the pastor's office. He said, these men have gotten together. They, they don't have much of this world's good, but they've gotten something for you. And I said, oh, good, wonderful. What is it? They said, oh, it's wonderful. It's balut. <laughs> and what do you say to that? Well, there was a dear lady there that said, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give to the church building fund and I'll give, uh, I think it was 10,000 pesos for every balut that you eat. Well, that made it better. And I said, okay. So I ate a balut. And then my son ate a balut. And my daughter ate a balut. All five of our kids ate balut. And so we entered into a heritage uh, in Filipino culture. Uh, we ate balut and will never do so again. Amen. But anyway, uh, it was all right for that time. It was like a hard-boiled egg, only crunchy. Amen. But... Uh, not for me, but, uh, but that's something they do. We all have our heritages. We all have our traditions. We all have things we pass down one generation to the next. I was raised in, uh, outside of Baltimore, Maryland in Parkville and, uh, in an Italian, uh, an Italian uh, community and an Italian-American family. We had eight kids. We had a large family, and uh, we all went to the Mass every week and all that. And uh, my grandmother, uh, my nonna, she had 13 grandchildren, and so we were in, or 13 children, excuse me, she had way more grandchildren than that, and we had large gatherings, and we would go to Nana's house, Nana would have a big pot of spaghetti gravy on the, uh, there on the stove, how many of you know that the real Italians, we don't call it sauce, it's gravy, amen, and we'd have spaghetti gravy waiting for us, and she would come live with us for a few weeks at a time, and Nana was wonderful, and uh, she would be cooking in the kitchen, she, was ro she would roll out pasta and make homemade pasta. And if you came in and try to snitch just a little bit of it, she would never look up. She would never say a word. She could be rolling pasta and without warning, she would pull out a dish rag out of her dish rag holster, hit you with that dish rag, brother, and uh, say something in Italian that meant get off the food. Oh, you cry. And she'd keep right on rolling. And uh, man, she was something else. Nona uh, used to watch WrestleMania. How many remember WrestleMania? <laughs> I mean, it was on the TV, the black and white TV. There was Gorilla Monsoon, Haystacks Calhoun, then, and she followed the Bruno San Martino brothers because they were Italian and, and, uh, and uh, you know, they had gorgeous George and all that. And she'd sit in front of the TV three o'clock on Saturday. Oh, she'd get all excited. And I said, that's not real. Get out of here. She'd yell at me, get out of the room and yell at me in Italian. And uh, she was amazing. That was my heritage. For her 90th birthday, my brothers and me pitched in and took her to the Baltimore more Civic Center, WrestleMania. She thought she died and went to heaven. What a mess. But uh, she thought that was the best thing in the world. And she was great. We had a lot of heritage, and I'm sure that many of you as well have the same thing. But in 1976, I entered into a far greater heritage. I was confused and a young man caught up in the hippie movement and the rock and roll culture of the day. I had grown my hair weighed out and rebelled against everything that I knew to be God and knew to be right. And I remember as a young man, just before, a few days before my 20th birthday, uh, I had been witnessed to by my mother who'd been saved and by my dad who had trusted Christ as Savior. And I remember the day finally when I gave in on a Sunday morning and gave my life to Jesus Christ. I entered into not just the Italian heritage, now I entered into the heritage of the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb, 
is his reward. When we think about the heritage of the Lord, we certainly have to talk about our Bible heritage. We go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the Word of God, as 40 human authors given by inspiration, as those men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, gave us God's written inspiration to men, and gave us the book, uh, the holy book called the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven and we have this great book uh, of the, the word of God of Bible preservation of Bible preaching I can tell you there's a picture there I believe of David Brainerd preaching to the American Indians and uh, there was a great man of God who in the northeast in New Jersey who literally prayed in snowbanks and called on God and then stood up before Indians and preached the word of God we have a heritage of men who have lifted up their voice like a trumpet and that's why many of us got saved and trusted Christ as our Savior as well. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 1 at verse number 18, after that in the wisdom of this world, the wisdom, uh, the, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You may be a visitor here and say, why do you people get so stirred up and nervous while you're preaching? You're making me nervous. You can't sit still. Listen, friends, this is the greatest message the world could ever give you the fact that Jesus Christ paid the price for every one of our sins, past, present, future. And if you believe and trust him and yield to him and say yes to him as your savior, you can have the gift of eternal life. He said, well, you shouldn't be so, so excited. Listen, you can get excited about the Oakland Raiders. You can get excited about John Gruden and Chuck E. Cheese and all that. You can get excited uh, about uh, the Rams, or you can get excited about the 49ers, and I can get excited about the Baltimore Ravens. Listen, when the Ravens score a touchdown, I don't look over and go, that was interesting, where'd he go? I get stirred up about it, amen? Come on, way to go, get it again. We get excited about everything on the planet and preaching is a man on fire who is stirred up about the things of God and preaching like he means it about eternity and judgment and, and righteousness and eternal life. So Bible preaching, that's a part of our heritage. Bible preservation, Bible principles, living for God and Bible parenting. We ought to be bringing up our children the way they should go. God says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm glad for my mom. She didn't know anything about, you know, parenting and all that. Uh, she knew nothing about a timeout chair, amen? Never heard of one. She had a knockout chair, but I mean, and, uh, she, she'd say, get over there and do what you're told. But Bible parenting and training up children properly and in a biblical manner, that's what we're all about, to reach the generation to come uh, with the praises of the Lord and his strength. So God wants us to realize there is such a thing as a heritage of the Lord. I wrote down a few things about this heritage that you and I ought to be involved in. You might be here for the first week or for the first month or so, never been to this church before. I met Tony before the service today, and he's over here wearing his barong, and uh, I saw his nice barong. What a nice-looking outfit he's got on. Man, in the Philippines, that's big stuff. I wore a barong on an elevator, first one I ever wore. And a man said, oh, beautiful barong. He made over, he said, you going to a wedding? A wedding? I said, in fact, I am going to a wedding. You are? Where? I said, I'm going to a wedding. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. I'm going to go meet Jesus someday. And that man got saved in the foyer, in the, in the lobby of that hotel hotel as I talked to him about Christ. But 
you might be new here. And Tony came a few years ago and said, I was one of the first, first men he heard preach here. And you might be just kind of new to heritage and just, uh, just coming in. But understand the fact, this all didn't happen by accident. This did not happen by chance. Do I have an amen? This didn't happen because, well, we prayed and Shazam, there was a church. And, and we prayed. We sought God, your pastor, and the men around him, and the deacons, and the deacons' wives, and those leaders that God raises up at a church like this gave themselves fervently to have a ministry like this, and some just coming in uh, on the back end of things. We forget the fact, number one, we need to value the heritage that God has entrusted to our care. Why? Because truth is only one generation thick. We can lose what God has given to us in a very short, amount of time. My dad never had much. He was a shoemaker by day and a clarinetist by night. Tremendous concert clarinetist. And, but he, did, he turned down going up to New York and playing the big shows and all that to keep his family and made a good choice there. But my dad was a man who never had much. He never drove a new car. He didn't have big, beautiful homes. He didn't have much of this world. And he was getting near death. He knew that. And he called me in and said, Lou, I don't have much to give you. He said, but I'd like you to have this. He said, I want you to have it. It was a beautiful, nice Mont Blanc pen. He said, you're a preacher and you travel around and preachers sign Bibles and all that. So, uh, and I, man, I thought, I've always wanted to be a Mont Blanc preacher. Amen to that. So I said, that sounds good. And he said, here you go. I want you to have it. I was so proud of my pen. Boy, I carried it with me everywhere I went and uh, just loved it. And I remember the day we were setting up our travel trailer. It was kind of rainy outside, and I bent over, and the pen fell out of my pocket, and it shattered in probably six or seven pieces on the concrete. I picked them all up. They have a lifetime guarantee, and I could send it in and put it in a bag, and then I put that into a cabinet uh, in, up in the fifth wheel of our trailer. Little did I know, but when we were traveling, it fell out of that cabinet, got caught up in the mechanism of the fifth wheel that slid out, and it was ground. It was probably 40 or 50 pieces. I lost. I lost that Mont Blanc pen. I did not value it. Now, I couldn't get another one. I couldn't get another pen that my father gave to me. I couldn't go out and say, well, I'll buy, I'd like to buy another Mont Blanc and one that Lou Rossi Sr. owned and gave to his son. You understand, things like that can be lost so quickly. Our heritage and our lives can uh, go, ar go awry and be lost very, very quickly. We need to value our heritage. You ought to value this local church. This ought to be the most important thing in your life. Say amen. You ought to say, by the grace of God, uh, nobody can speak against Heritage Baptist. Uh, no member can get disgruntled and come up and whisper in my ear bad things. I value the things of God. I thank God for this ministry. Value your heritage. Secondly, protect your heritage. We need to protect it. I remember as kids growing up, we had Italian families, and it seemed like all the neighborhood families, we had the same little house. They were very similar. Most of them had a kitchen in the basement. Upstairs was a little nice, beautiful, formal kitchen, but no one could go in there, and no one used it. And they all had little, uh, if you will, little sitting rooms, like a small living room with furniture, and most of the moms bought that plastic stuff that you put on a furniture in order to keep it and preserve it. So if you sit on it, make all kinds of weird noise, and it sounded like chalk on the board, and we were not allowed to go in that room. 
I remember my, my friend and I, uh, they had a stereo. Remember a stereo used to be eight feet long? How do you remember that? I remember when a TV cabinet was eight feet long and the screen was this big. And and little rabbit ears on top, but uh, we uh, we go in. We went in there a few times and listened to records on the stereo. His dad came in the house, get out of here! Started yelling at us in Italian. We ran out as quick as we could. He was watching over. He was protecting. He was valuing his furniture. Listen, I can tell you what we have here is a lot more valuable than a couch. Amen. A lot more valuable than an easy chair. This is the house of God. This is the heritage of the Lord. And we ought to protect it. This is why Jude would write much later and say that thou, thou shouldest earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto us. I don't fit in with everybody. I don't always get along with everybody. I say things and preach things that some people don't like, but by the grace of God, we must stand for the truth and stand for the word of God and contend and value and protect what God has entrusted to my care and to yours. Remember a young man pulled up outside of the house our middle daughter was get up there getting ready, and I heard the car horn beep, 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 out front. I said, something's wrong. And my wife said, oh, that's some guy that wants to see our daughter. I said, you, are you kidding me? I went outside to the front. I said, excuse me, can I help you? Yeah, he said, I'm here for your daughter. I said, no, you're not for my daughter, ever, amen? I said, we beep at cows, we beep at dogs running across the street, and we speed up for cats, amen? But I'm, I'm saying, we don't, you, don't, you don't treat my, you don't beep your car horn for my daughter. Oh, he said, sorry, dude. I said, my name's not dude, by the way. My name is sir to you. I said, I'll tell you what you do. Get away from here, and you call me sometime if you're interested, and uh, we'll talk about, uh, what do you mean? Like, call you? Yeah, call me, and get permission, and learn what it means to go up to the door and say, hello, sir, hi, may I see your daughter? No, but anyway, uh, I don't want to disappoint him. The answer was still no, but uh, I mean, uh, I was protecting the heritage that God entrusted to my care. I came in the house, my daughter was upset, he was here for me. I said, he never was for you. <laughs> amen. <laughs> What can I say? Can you read this? Not happening. Say amen. And I'm watching over. This is, our, this is what we're supposed to do. You say, Brother Ross, you're not supposed to say that. My dad will never let me be involved with anybody. Sure he will as soon as you turn 30 to be great. But to value, to protect the heritage that God has entrusted to our care, to guide our heritage. Guide. He said, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. God wants us to give guidance, not the kids telling us what to do. Now, I understand when it comes to technology, we have to get all kinds of help. Say amen right there. I have a seven-year-old seven granddaughter who visited us a few months ago, and we were talking about something. She said, Pop-Up, what do you... I said, I said, I don't know how to do that. She said, okay, here, Pop-Up. And she showed me how to use my iPad to do something I didn't even know how to do. I'm fine with that. I'll take a little guidance on an iPhone or an iPad, but I don't need them guiding me for life. That's my job to teach them. Say amen. And to give them guidance, God said in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. They might take a break. They might get out of the way. They might get in trouble for a little while, but we trust God on their behalf that eventually they will come back and they will get right. And maybe staggering in or stumbling in like some of us had to do, they'll find their way back to Christ. But it's our job to guide them and then to learn from our heritage. 
learn. You say, what does that mean? Those who fail to learn from their mistakes are bound to what? We're going to repeat them. We have to start learning the fact that we do make mistakes along the way and by God's grace to make adjustment and to find out what it means to protect and value this heritage that God has entrusted to our care. I'll give you a few things and I'll done. There are lessons here about our heritage. The lesson number one of responsibility. Responsibility. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5 and verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I have a question. Who is responsible for this generation that we live in? You know who's responsible? I am. You are. And if we keep saying we or they or us, you'll never get anywhere. The day you say, I am responsible for my family, for my children, for my finances, for my home, I am responsible, not the government, not somebody else, not some failed political candidate, not somebody I don't like. In reality, I am responsible for me. How many believe that today? And to say, by the grace of God, let's walk with Christ and take care of this heritage. A dear lady came into my office and her daughter was wayward. She was in a lot of trouble. I spoke to the teenager and I called her in my office and I said, something's wrong with you. You've been on my heart all day. You're about to do something bad. And she broke down and said, I have my bags packed. I'm running away this afternoon. I called her mom and dad in and her mom came in and sat down in my office and began. She said, the girl was sitting right there. Said, she's mean, she's belligerent, She's loud, she's stubborn, she argues with me all the time. And I was sitting there and I was going, wow, this, I mean, it was a bad list. And then she read the caption that was above my head that she couldn't see. But she stopped and she said, oh my, she's just like me. That was a breakthrough in her life. And we got alongside of the couch in my office and together we prayed and they got to Calvary, and they got things right. You see, uh, her daughter wasn't the only one who was loud and rebellious and stubborn. And all. She was getting it from her mom. Yeah. I'm not saying that every time a child hurts you or, or breaks your heart, I'm not saying every time a little two-year-old is obstinate and stubborn that all of a sudden we have to say, that's me. Some kids come out of the womb, and they're all different than others. Do I have an amen? Yeah. One comes out of compliant, praying like an angel. The other one comes out saying, no. <laughs> This guy, uh, I mean, the two-year-old, the little baby come out of the womb. Uh, the doctor slaps him, and he looks up, hits him back, says, who are you hitting me? I mean, they come out fighting from the womb, amen? <laughs> I disciplined one of our children one time. I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to, this is not right. i I, I got to call somebody. I'm disciplining the child. It seemed like he would just look up and go, is that all you got? Come on, dude. You know what I mean? You know, the, some of them fight coming out of the womb. And... Let's take responsibility. Amen? Amen? Let's seek God for our own life and for our family. There's a lesson of responsibility. Secondly, a lesson of humility. David said in Psalm 51, 17, 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. 1 Peter 5, 8, humble yourselves uh, in the sight of the Lord, or James rather, humble yourselves therefore in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift you up. You understand that God wants us to be humble. It's all right now and then to say, I'm sorry. Try it. Let's try that again. I'm sorry. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry? I was wrong. And then added to it and said, you were right. That's really tough. And yet, there are times to be reconciliatory, to break the, to say by God's grace, even with our family and our children, try it with your spouse sometime. I'm sorry. You say, well, Pastor, if I say uh, I'm sorry to my husband, he's going to go into technology lectures and tell me, you know, well, I had that tennis ball in the garage so you would hit it and stop instead of hitting it and going through the wall. I mean, they'll tell you all these, and, and you know this, men, if you say you're sorry to your wife, women want details to have an amen. I'm sorry. Well, why? <laughs> Elaborate. And then they'll go back into history. And this happened 10 years ago. My wife never gets hysterical, but she does get historical. Amen. <laughs> and, but to be humble and to say by God's grace, I'm sorry. A number of years ago, I disciplined our daughter, our youngest daughter, and I scolded her, and it was very strong. And she was crying, and I went in the other room. My wife said, you know, you've just wounded her spirit. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you just hurt her. You know, sometimes, how many of you realize sometimes the Holy Ghost comes in wife form? Amen? Yeah. And she told me, and, and uh, I said, she said, you know, you, you, you need to go. May I said, honey, she was doing wrong. I said, I've got bad news for you. I told her she could sit on that chair that you just scolded her for. I said, oh, man. She said, yeah, you better make this right. I went in her room. She was crying, just scolding. I, I went and saw her. I said, honey, I'm... I'm sorry, I hurt you. She goes, okay. What about the other things? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> what about everything else? I said, what do you mean? She said, you know, you're supposed to say some more things. Like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> you were right. She remembered the whole thing. And I, we had a little time together, and the Lord was good. But how many times do we miss that? Pride kicks in. The enemy of our soul kicks in. By the grace of God, we must humble ourselves. If we want revival, it's going to come as we get broken and humble in the sight of God. Responsibility and finally, or humility, responsibility, and finally there really is a lesson of security. If we take care of our heritage, you know what I'm learning? As we get a little bit older, I'm learning something. If we take care of our heritage, Eventually, our heritage will take care of us. My mom and dad aged, and they both aged very rapidly. I remember the day when I went to my mom's apartment, and I had to basically help her, and it was very humiliating. I had to help her dress and help her do some other things. There was nobody else around. And it's amazing how they, we start off life, and our parents, our moms, change our diapers. As they age, we're helping them. It all reverses. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And they both, my mom, my dad got very sick. It was sudden, but it was very sick suddenly. And they gave him very little time to live, just a, in a few hours. 
I flew up to Baltimore as quickly as I could, and my wife and children were going to join me later, and I went to see him, and he had a, a tube down, a breathing tube, and I said, Dad, I'm praying for you, and, and he, he said, I love you, son. Keep preaching the word. And he was so proud that I was a preacher. He could barely say it with that ventilator in his throat. He miraculously recovered from that. It was amazing. My dad was a diligent man. He got saved at 55 years of age. He trusted Christ as his Savior. My mom got trusted Christ as her Savior. They came out of religion and came out of organized religion and found Christ as Savior. And God began to change their lives and eventually he changed mine and most of my family, one at a time, began to trust Christ as their Savior. Now my dad was old. He was 87 years of age. And I'd call him about every other day after he got sick. I thought we lost him. For the next year, I'd talk to him on the phone, tell him how much I loved him. We lived in Georgia. He lived in Baltimore. And the call came. They said, this time, don't rush. Dad's in a coma. He'll probably never come out of it. We put our trailer together, and my wife and kids drove up there to, and to see him one last time. We got to the hospital. My oldest brother was there who'd been saved, and my sister-in-law my wife and kids and I came in about probably 4.30 in the morning. We drove all night, went right to the hospital, and they said, Lou, Dad's not going to make it, but why don't you do this? You know how much he loved music. You know how much he loved to hear the kids sing, and why don't you guys sing something for him while he's resting here? And so my family gathered around together, and my kids began to sing, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. And we talked about Jesus in heaven. And I watched my dad and I held his hand. He squeezed my hand just a little bit. And about an hour later, he went off to be with the Lord. I was standing there watching my dad, my mom, my wife and me, and my children. And I watched as one generation to the next generation to the next had trusted Christ as their savior. And I saw right there in front of me that heritage that God has entrusted to our care. The question is today, have you entered into that heritage of the Lord? You say, Brother Rossi, I could never do, I could never do right. I could never honor. You know, it's not all about you doing right. It's all about you trusting the one who paid the price for every one of your sins. It's all about you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and receiving His free gift of eternal life that you might have the security of the believer that all of us have today who've been singing about Him and praising Him and preaching about Him and lifting Him up. You can enter into that heritage by trusting Christ as your Savior, making Him your God.